Welcome to our morning service here at Elgin Baptist Church. Thank you for tuning in this morning. It is my prayer that you may know God's blessing as we gather together to praise him. We continue to live in times of uncertainty where many fears and worries and concerns. But as we come together, may we take great strength and comfort from the fact that God who is sovereign in all matters, knows all things, and will in his time bring it all to pass. As we prepare to praise God in song, let us hear from Psalm 19, where in verse 14 the psalmist says this, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord my rock and my Redeemer. That's the opening line of our first song, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And our second song reminds us also from the Psalms that as our shepherd, he leads us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you love us, that you call us your children. For Jesus who um who took the took the penalty that we deserve and so that you can draw us to yourself though we don't deserve it father thank you too for for your care for us that you hear our prayers and in times such as this the world pandemic that we can come to you with our every request um no matter how small father we pray firstly for the awful events that have been happening this week in France, Father. It just saddens and sickens us to hear of their terror attacks on the teacher outside the school and the attack in the church, Father. I just pray that you would pour your healing balm into these situations, Lord, that, that on the families of the victims and the people who attend that church, Father and niece, that you would you would pour your peace, your love, and your calm into that situation as well, Lord, because so, pe so many people will be feeling nervous, fearful, un unsettled, Lord. I just pray that they would realize that you are in control, Father, that you alone are sovereign over all the powers of evil, and that you would that you would uh, that you will prevail i pray too for the election in america father and i just pray that your hand would be on the whole situation that the president that you that you elect will will come forth and that you will touch that nation father who who is are so powerful on the international stage Lord, I just pray that you would, that you would um, guide voters, and that your will would prevail in America, Father. I pray here for the ongoing COVID situation, Lord, the effect on the economy and people losing their jobs still, Father, and of course with Christmas coming and the uncertainty as to whether people will be able to see family after long absences, Lord. I just pray that you would be with the politicians, the scientists, you would give them wisdom 
and that you would help them help help the population help all of us overcome the temptation to disregard guidelines or 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 the fear that we may that we may be suffering from as to to whether um seeing the numbers of cases rise again lord it's it's easy to worry father but again you're in control and i pray that you would wrap your peace around every heart lord and you would give each of us wisdom in the in the ongoing situation lord to i pray too for the um scientists and those looking for a vaccine father i pray that you would guide their hands and and that it would be found and produced and be available and safe soon, Father. I want to thank you too for for Graham and for all of his ongoing work this year, Lord, um, with, with the COVID situation, meaning that holidays have been fewer and he's been here to support all of us, Father, and, and the leadership here in Elgin Baptist. Um, I just pray that you'd be with Graham as he speaks and you'd be with the those of us who are listening um, online, Father, that that you would touch our hearts, Lord, that you would your word would rest in our hearts and sink in, Father, that you would you would continue to guide us throughout the week, not just on Sundays, Father, but Mondays on a tough Tuesday, on a difficult Wednesday. And on a tiring Thursday, Father, you are the God of the whole world and of every part of our lives, Father. And I just pray that you would help us to surrender each part of our lives to you. Amen. Well, boys and girls, I wonder if you know what this is. I wonder if you've ever used something like this. Susan has had me been very, very busy recently doing a lot of painting and I just thought I would show you the evidence of it. This is one of my many paintbrushes, but it isn't really much use now. I don't know if you can, can see it clearly enough up on the screen. You might want to come a little bit nearer the telly, but it is covered in dried in paint and, and it's all hard and, and it's just, it's no good for painting at all. But as I was looking at this brush just the other day, it reminded me of what sin does in our lives. The more that we sin, the more that we are covered by it. And just like the dry paint on the brush, sin can get hard and it can keep us from being who God wants us to be. God can't use us any more than we can use this dirty, hard paintbrush. But, but the good news is that even a paintbrush like this can be cleaned with the right solvent and lots of water. You can clean the brush and make it as good as new and ready to use again. And as I thought on that, it reminded me that God can wash us clean from our sins and God can make us new as well. He can break through the hard layers of sin and wash us clean and make us ready to be who he wants us to be. 
let's sing about how good and great God is in our children's chorus. Our God is a great big God. Dear Lord, we thank you that you can make us new. Thank you that Jesus died for our sins. And by trusting in him, we can be all you want us to be. Please help us this week to stay close to you. Amen. Reading from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 to 28. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Before we look at these verses, let us praise God in song once again as we sing what a friend we have in Jesus. Father God, we thank you for the friend that we have in Jesus. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that through you we can bring all of our pain and, and all our fears and all our worries to God in prayer. And we ask now in your name that by the Holy Spirit, your word would speak to us this morning. Amen. Well, we draw our studies in First Thessalonians to a close this morning as we look at the verses that Eleanor read for us. Final words are always important. And Paul is now drawing his letter, or at least his first letter, to a close. And he does so by first of all praying for them, and secondly asking them to pray for him. You see, apostle or not, Paul knew that he needed the prayers and the care and the support and the love of God's people just as they, just as much as they and needed his, and that is true for every pastor. And in the previous two sermons, we've seen that much of what Paul has had to say related primarily, though not exclusively, to, to the gathered church. We noted their responsibility towards their leaders, their responsibility towards one another, and, and the responsibility to, towards worship, all of it encouraging them and us to live in such a way that pleases God. And in verse 23, we have what I see as a typical prayer of Paul for the church, for, 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 for the people who are under his care. And it centres, as does all of Paul's prayers in his letters, on their spiritual well-being. You see, friends, at the end of the day, that is what really matters. How we live our lives now and how we prepare for the life to come is of vital importance. Now, of course, don't misunderstand me, of course, our health and, and our wealth matter. 
But, but we will all, we all will at one point die unless the Lord returns. And we can't take whatever we might amass here with us. It was the actor Denzel Washington who once said, you never see a U-Haul van behind a hearse. There is more to life than our health and our wealth and our belongings. And in this prayer, Paul is praying for their spiritual well-being. So as I said, as we conclude our studies in, in this short letter, let us look at three things. Firstly, we read about sanctification. Then we read about preservation. And finally, confirmation. First of all, sanctification. We, we looked at this a little bit when, when we looked back at chapter 4, verse 3, where, where we read there that it is God's will for you to be sanctified. And in that context, chapter 4, verse 3, it related to sexual immorality. However, here, as Paul ends his letter, Paul is relating sanctification to the whole of our life, every area of our life. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. You see, friends, there is no part of our life that is not to be sanctified. There is no part of our life that is not to be set apart as unto God. We make a terrible mistake if we think that we can compartmentalize, divide up our Christian life. Every part of our life is to be given over to God, our home, our family, our work, our finance. God and his word needs to influence us in every way. We will see more of that this evening from Nehemiah 10. We are to become more and more like Jesus, growing in grace, growing in knowledge. That is what sanctification means. A few weeks back, uh, in our prayer meeting on a Thursday evening, we, we were looking at, at Romans 5 and we were thinking there of one of the other great doctrines of the Bible, our justification. Uh, our justification, that instantaneous legal act of God in which God thinks of our sins forgiven and Christ's righteousness as belonging to us. And, and therefore declaring us to be righteous in his sight. And, and our justification is, as I said then, a one-off. We are justified. We are forgiven the moment that we trust. However, our sanctification is an ongoing process. It is about living a holy life. It is, as Paul has been going on about since the beginning of chapter 4, living a life in order to please God. Before going any further, perhaps a description of, of what is meant by sanctification will help. One very helpful description is this. Sanctification is a progressive work of God and man that makes us more and more free from sin and like Christ in our actual lives. The, the theologians, they speak of three aspects of salvation. 
that there is what they call positional sanctification, which means we have been set apart by, for, and to God. That is who we are, and, and 1 Corinthians 1-2 makes that very point when it says, says this, to the church in God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. But then there is what is called progressive sanctification. See, because of who we are, this is how we are to live. We are to become more and more like Jesus. And, and, and this is where we need to play our part. You see, as I said earlier, we had no part to play in our election or in our justification or, or in our salvation. That was all of God. To God be the glory. But in regards to our sanctification, how we progress is, yes, a work of God by the Spirit, but also of us. We need to play our part. We need to discern what is right and what is wrong. We need to know what is honouring to God and what is not. We need to know when to say no. We need to know when to switch the off button and do it. There's little use, little use at all in praying, Lord, sanctify me. Lord, make me holy. Lord, make me more like Jesus. If we continually do the things we know that are not pleasing to God. And Paul prays, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. That is every bit of you. How are you faring in regards to your sanctification? Are you becoming more free from sin? Not, not sinless perfection, that won't happen this side of heaven, doesn't mean that we don't keep pursuing it. But are you becoming more like Jesus in your daily living? That conversation, that program, that, that habit, I, I was challenged this week in a particular area of, let me call it time management, kind of what I spend my time on. I am reading or I've just finished reading through the book of Hebrews in my own private devotions. And verse 1 of chapter 12 earlier this week really spoke powerfully and, and if I'm honest, uncomfortably to me. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Now, not everything that hinders is necessarily sinful. But I had to examine myself and ask, what time do I give to my sanctification? in regards to other things. I'll let you think these things through for yourself. You are all 
sensible people. The third aspect of sanctification is what is called perfect sanctification. And as you probably guessed, that won't happen till we see Jesus face to face, which actually leads us nicely into our second point where we read of preservation. In some ways, as you look at these verses at closer inspection, the two aspects of Paul's prayer for their sanctification and for their preservation, they are not all that different really. They are both centred on the desire for holy living now and as we wait on the return of the Lord Jesus. And Paul, in the use of, of, of saying spirit, soul and body here, he, he is merely referring to, to the whole person in his or her entirety. And as we await, as we eagerly await the return of Jesus, Paul prays that we may be kept blameless, blameless, not sinless, blameless. This is, friends, this is about living our lives Keeping, as the Puritans used to say, short accounts with God. We have seen that our sanctification is ongoing. And we know, don't we? We know that from time to time we fall. Uh, from time to time we sin. Yet how thankful we are that as John reminds us, that if, when we sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defence. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit to preserve us. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to keep us walking that narrow path. To sanctify us unto blameless. See, the Christian life is not a striving for more. It is living more fully in what has already been given. We have all we need for life and for godliness. And this striving for holiness, this sanctification is not in order to make us dull and boring, although sometimes that can be the impression we give. No, no. It's in order that we might know life in all of its fullness. John 10 verse 10. Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and life in all its fullness. But you see, we know we can't do it ourselves. That is why Paul prays that they may be kept. That God protect us. God empower us. God preserve us. As I often do, I, I reach for, for my little kind of pocket Oxford dictionary uh, that, that sits at, uh, at the desk. I, I, I'm never sure why it's called pocket dictionary because it's about kind of this thick. Anyway, and under, under preserve it says this. To keep from harm or damage. To keep from spoiling or rotting. May God so preserve us. You see, friends, Jesus is coming back. Something that this letter has continually spoken of. 
And, and, and we don't know when that will be. We don't know if we will be alive or asleep. But surely, whatever and whenever, we want to enter into his glorious presence as pure and as blameless as is humanly possible. Brother, sister in Christ, the expectation and the hope, the glorious hope we have that one day we will see Jesus. One day we will be with Jesus. One day we will behold him in all his glory. That should be a motive. That should be a spur to live a sanctified life. Knowing that God by the power of the Holy Spirit, will preserve us. One of the songs, hymns that um, over these past six, seven months, which have been so difficult for, for, for everybody, uh, one, one of the hymns that has been such a blessing to me has been the song by, by City of Light, Yet Not I, But Through Christ in Me. Part of which says this with every breath I long to follow Jesus for he has said that he will bring me home and day by day I know he will renew me until I stand with joy before the throne oh what a prospect how can we be so sure? How can you be so confident, Graham? And what can you base your confidence? Well, finally, notice verse 24, confirmation. Paul tells them, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Paul is confirming that our confidence is based on three things. What God has done, he called us. Who God is, he is faithful. And what God promises, he will deliver. You see, friends, the call of God is something that runs right through Scripture, starting as far back as Genesis chapter 12 with Abraham. It is something that Paul has already alluded to in the letter. Uh, chapter 2, verse 12. Chapter 4, verse 7. He reminds them that God did not call them, us, to be impure, but to live a holy life. And in his second letter, he again refers to this calling of God in chapter 2, verse 14, where he writes, He called you to this life through the gospel. The call of God in the believer's life is so important. In fact, you can't be a believer without responding to the call of God. It reminds us that God chose us and not us him. That is why, uh, or at least one of the reasons, Peter in, in, in 2 Peter 1.10 encourages us all to make our calling an election sure. You see, we won't all have a Damascus Road experience in the way that the Apostle Paul did. But for each one who professes Christ as Lord, that there must be a time when God called you, when God revealed to you your sin, and when in faith 
and repentance, you turn to Christ for forgiveness and you're responding to that call. Some people can give an exact date. For, for me, it was around about four o'clock on the 7th of June, 1981, in the Kelvin Hall in Glasgow. Others may not be able to exactly pinpoint the date, but it is important that you have responded to the call of God. And, and, and let me just kind of press the pause button for a moment. And let me encourage anyone that's listening in today who as yet has never responded to that call. And, and, and let me say in many ways that, that there is nothing mysterious as it were about it. But what it is, it is the Holy Spirit taking the word of God and calling and challenging you to do something about what you hear. And you can only do one of two things in relation to the call of God that, that the gospel holds out. You either accept it or you reject it. There is no middle ground. You either embrace it with all that you have or you choose to walk away. I, I urge you, I, I, I plead with you today, this morning, if you hear his voice, and you will know if God is speaking to you, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Do not become like the paintbrush. Turn to him now. We also see, not just in relation to the call of God, we also see something of God's character in that he is faithful. God will not, because God cannot go back on his word. Those God calls, God saves, and those he saves, he keeps. He preserves. What a faithful God have I, faithful in every way. God will give us all we need for life and for godliness. God will never, ever fail us. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And his promises, his promises are yea and amen in Christ. What he has said, he will do. One of my earliest favourite verses but when I first became a Christian, and, and it still is one of my favourite verses, is found in Philippians 1 verse 6. Paul writes this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That is what Paul is saying here in Thessalonians. The one who calls you is faithful. And he will do it, yet not I, but through Christ in me. And Paul finishes with a request that they might pray for him 
just as he prays for them. He encourages them to, to greet one another, to make one another feel welcome and part of the fellowship. He charges them that this letter be read out to everybody. And he concludes the letter with what he began, the grace of the Lord Jesus. Brothers and sisters, that was the church at Thessalonica. They were, as verse one, sorry, chapter one speaks of a model church. They labored in the gospel. They loved one another and they longed for the Lord's return. May we, by God's grace and God's power, be such a church in our day and in our generation. Lord, we thank you for these our studies in this letter to the church at Thessalonica. And God, we pray that you would enable us to be such a church in our community and in our age. We pray, Lord, that you would bind us together as we seek to live out what we have learned. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing hymn reminds us that Christ is both our glory and our hope. Father, once again, we thank you for the glorious hope that is ours. We thank you that it is safe and secure because our hope, our glory is Christ himself. And we thank you that the light of the Saviour outshines all things. May we know in this coming week your peace, your power and your presence as we await our blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour, to whom be praise and glory now and forevermore. Amen. Well, thank you once again for listening in. Please do get in contact with us if we can be of any help. We, we would love to hear from you. Details will appear on the screen. But thank you once again and may God bless you in this coming week.